Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, holistic health coach, and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, recipes, services, programs, and ebooks. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or a topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and join the Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe. I'm so excited for you guys to hear today's episode with Cody McBroom, also known as Boom Boom. I didn't even know his last name until this podcast. You'll you'll hear it. I find out what his last name is, but he runs Boom Boom Performance. He hosts the podcast Boom Boom Performance Podcast, and he is a nutrition and performance coach. She has an awesome online business. He talks about all things related to health, nutrition, fitness, having a healthy lifestyle and reaching whatever your goals are. He is an awesome guy and I love him because he's no BS, straight to the point, just super down to earth. And we had this conversation a while back and, you know, typical me, I'm behind on uploading content, but I've been really excited for you guys to hear this episode because he just has so much to offer just when it comes to not only health, nutrition, fitness information, but what it means to be a coach. And he also mentors other coaches so they can run online businesses. And we talk about mentoring, building a business as well. I think that there's definitely something in here that everybody can relate to. And I'm just super excited for you guys to hear this. But before I hop into this conversation with Cody, you know, I actually get a lot of emails and messages asking me about coaching, becoming a health coach, my certifications, what program do I think people should do? all of these questions about all things health coaching or being an NTP or whatever. So if you don't know about my background, I was certified as a primal health coach first, and then I went through the Nutritional Therapy Association to become a nutritional therapy practitioner. And I get questions about the programs I've been in so often. And that's also why, you know, last week I had Laura Rupsis on the podcast to talk more about the Primal Health Coach Institute because that is a program that I am so, I stand so strongly behind. I seriously love that program and I wasn't really expecting, like, I mean, I was expecting it to be good, but I came out of it just thinking, oh my god, this program is amazing and I want to talk to you a bit more about the Primal Health Coach Institute just because it really was a program that helped me launch my wellness business, my health coaching business. I was seeing clients before I became an NTP. I saw clients while I was in like even during the period of time when I was taking the course through the Primal Health Coach Institute and It really gave me the foundation I felt like I needed to launch a business and to feel confident in the information I was giving out and how I was working with clients. I felt extremely well prepared and I know not everybody does coming out of their their program and so I just wanted to share more about my experience. So 
if you've been listening to my podcast for a while or following me, you know that I am all about a paleo lifestyle. I believe in a paleo diet and a lifestyle really is what it is. That's why I have my paleo women lifestyle program. And I've also always been a huge fan of Mark Sisson who created the Primal Blueprint and Primal Kitchen, my my favorite <laughs> food. You guys know I love that mayo and their ketchup. Ugh, so good. But uh, yeah, I've always been a huge fan of Mark Sisson. He's one of the first people who got me into the primal life. And I read his book many moons ago. And, and that's kind of just what made me fall in love with paleo and how he made it approachable and realistic and it was a a lifestyle not just about a diet so when i found out that he had the primal health coach institute it was pretty much a no-brainer for me i mean i made it i had an intro call and i was pretty much sold right off the bat just because everything that mark puts out i really like and i had been thinking about other programs but just really wasn't sold on any of them and I'm just the kind of person like when I know I know and I didn't know until I heard about the Primal Health Coach Institute and I was just honestly kind of confused about why I hadn't heard about it from anybody else I saw it online like when I think I was on Mark's Daily Apple website and I saw it and I was like oh what's this and I go and I look to it and I just figured it must be new no one's really talking about it so I signed up and I mean, it was perfect because this was a health coaching certification that was designed specifically for my niche, what I was all about. You know, when you find a program, I really recommend you look for something that is talking about what you believe in. I think this is a problem a lot of people have, you know, if they want to become a registered dietitian and don't necessarily believe in the government guidelines for nutrition, it can be hard, but you know, even with other programs, I wanted to learn all about the primal lifestyle because that's what I already believe in. And so I was going to get a really deep dive into that. I love that it focused on, you know, real food eating, emphasized ancestral health, and had a focus on evolutionary biology. And that's what I really feel like makes this program stand apart because you go way beyond the basics. Any program can teach you, you know, the coaching 101 and things to help inspire people to change their lifestyles a little bit. But this program goes very far in depth. As I mentioned, it focuses on ancestral health principles specifically. And you start off with learning about nutrition and you get a really comprehensive health sciences education you're not just skimming the surface you are getting like a college level course this goes much more in depth than most of my college courses did honestly so you're gonna get all of that you really learn the science behind what's going on and you're getting trained to understand how the body actually works so this course will help you understand how Every choice you make is interconnected. So from the food you eat to the activities you do, your sleep habits, your stress levels, and how all of those decisions affect your body at a cellular level. Not all programs go that in depth. And then beyond that nutrition science, which again, not all programs really offer, I also love how much they supported me in actually building a business. So there are a ton of chapters, exercises, and resources that are all focused on building your business, how to market yourself, sales training, everything you need to know to launch a successful business. It's not just, okay, here's information, go coach people. They really train you so that you feel very confident in working with people right off the bat. 
They literally walk you through these 12 business building exercises that will basically handhold you through the process of starting your business from scratch. And when you graduate, you also get access to the Business Resource Center, which has a ton of pre-made materials for you to use. So handouts, flyers, forms, marketing graphics, and even a 12-week coaching program that you can use with your clients. So it's really all laid out for you. And then you're supported even beyond that. So you have access to our private Facebook group with other Primal Health Coaches. There are monthly live webinars. There are meetups. It's just a great community and you're really supported and they want to make sure you succeed. And I mean, it's like the best, it's just the best community. I love it. I've met some incredible people through that program and people who are very like-minded and get you. So you're always supported. Even if, you know, if you're working with a client and you're not sure what to do, you can turn to any of the people in the Facebook group or anyone you've met through the community and meet up and they will help you out and really help you to get your business rolling. So if you are into the primal and paleo way of life and you've been considering health coaching, I definitely recommend you check out the Primal Health Coach Institute. I adore that program and it was the best, one of the best decisions I've ever made in general, definitely for my business. You know, I almost didn't do it because I almost just went to the NTA and I, if I did it all over again, I would absolutely do it again. Um, I think it has been very, a very important piece for me, a very important part of my journey and being able to build this type of business. If you're interested in learning more, I recommend you download their free ebook on how to be a health coach. And you can find that at primalhealthcoach.com slash realness to get that free ebook. And I also just wanted to put it out there that if you want to sign up for this program, which is honestly like I've compared prices and this is the most cost effective program out there for how in depth it is. Like I, I honestly think this program is worth three times the price, like straight up but they have also given me a discount code. So if you end up signing up, you can get $200 off if you use the discount code COACH200. So C-O-A-C-H-200, and you will get that discount off for $200. That's a pretty good deal. Again, to learn more, go to primalhealthcoach.com realness, R-E-A-L-N-E-S-S, and check it out there. That will be in the show notes. I just think that health coaching is such... Honestly, I guess I I know I'm biased, but I think it's really important today when we have a major health crisis on our hands in this country in general. And that's why I love talking to different coaches and practitioners and people who are really dedicating themselves toward helping people get healthier and reach their health goals. Um, So yeah, I'm just, I love that program. I wanted to share more about it. And that's also another reason why I'm really excited for you to hear this episode. You can hear Cody's perspective. He is such a cool guy and very business savvy, but then also we get into all things about performance and fitness and nutrition and, you know, he's just no BS and I love it. So I really hope you enjoy this episode with Cody. You can find more from him at boomboomperformance.com. I have been on his podcast, the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, and you should check it out if you haven't already. All right, let's go ahead and hop into this chat with Cody. All right, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Cody. I want to start off by you telling people who you are and what you do in case they don't know you. Yeah, so um, in a nutshell, 
I am a online fitness and nutrition coach. Um, I coached in person for, which I think is kind of the prerequisite for anybody who wants to be a coach, to be honest with you. Um, I coach people in person for like six to seven years, six days a week, sometimes seven days a week, just kind of lived in the gym, the typical gym rat trainer story back in the day. Um, I grew up the fat kid and that's how I kind of got into it all. Um, and I just kind of grew an obsession, to be honest with you, with just changing my body, changing my performance, helping other people change their bodies. And then I kind of learned over time that when you change somebody's body, you can actually help them change their lives too, because that's kind of a trickle effect. So that kind of turned into me going down the um, self-development route, I guess you could say, different retreats, different coaching and mentoring and leadership things. Um, and yeah, it just kind of snowballed and snowballed until I got to where I am today, which is running boomboomperformance.com, which is a online coaching platform. Myself and two other coaches run coaching through there. We do a ton of content, which is one of my biggest hobbies um, and just passions is just YouTube, podcasts, ebooks, blogs, like anything I can do to educate people for free, which sounds kind of crazy. Um, I spend most of my time doing that. Um, and yeah, and that's kind of been the evolution in, in a very, very short manner um, to what I do today, which is full-time just coaching people. Yeah, and I mean, well, you coach people in a wide variety of ways. Because, well, are you still are you mostly doing mentoring, the mentoring side of things, like for other coaches, or do you still have an even amount of like fitness nutrition clients? Yeah, so I actually have the majority fitness and nutrition. That's oh, like okay. my main thing. Um, so I have a big blend of people. Um, some people do training and nutrition with me. That's how I I started with just training, and then. I think a lot of people experience this. You kind of go through a plateau where it's like, man, I'm doing, I've done everything for training. I'm training six days a week. I love being in the gym. Something's not giving. I'm kind of at this plateau and you have to dig into the nutrition side, which we know is a huge, uh, something that makes a big shift in your results. So I got like really into nutrition. I actually stepped on a uh, physique stage, competed, um, and nutrition was kind of my way of going from like I was in shape to like shredded, <laughs> which led to binging and gaining weight after the show, the typical bodybuilding mm -hmm. story. And then having to not only learn how to kind of reverse diet and get a handle on things, but also just have a better relationship with food. Because when you restrict that much, you exit yourself out of social uh, outings and stuff. You It takes a big toll on you. So I went through that whole process. Um, and then I started coaching people on nutrition. Now I do just nutrition. I do training and nutrition. And then my mentor actually was bugging me to do a mentorship for a while. So currently I'm mentoring or getting business coaching from uh, Jason Phillips with IN3 and NCI and um, somebody I look up to and somebody I've known for a while now. And he was bugging me. He was like, dude, you got to mentor people. You got to start a mentorship. You got to start a mentorship. And I think it was funny because I kept telling myself in my head, I didn't like I didn't have permission to do that. Like I wasn't mm -hmm. in the game for long enough. I didn't have a successful enough business. And he was just kind of like, how long are you going to tell yourself that when people are asking you to do this? And then finally I said, like on my Instagram, I was basically like, hey, I'm opening 10 spots. Um, here's what the deal is. Here's the price. Let me know if you want to do it. And I sold 10 people in that day. So I was like, okay, obviously somebody, like some people want to do this. And that's been going on since January, 2018. So it hasn't been something I've been doing for a long time, but to be honest with you, it's it's so much fun because I'm teaching people how to take control of their schedule, take control of their lives, um, finally get a grasp on the mental side of things, stress, anxiety, scarcity, overwhelm that comes and is associated with entrepreneurship. Um, and I'm teaching them how to do it the right way and how to enjoy the process rather than being stuck um, in the gym for 12 hours a day, seven days a week like a lot of trainers are. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a blend of a lot of things. I, I definitely... Uh, it's a multifaceted coaching company. 
Yeah, I think that you touched on something really important that a lot of people struggle with is this imposter syndrome. Like for you, it's kind of like, okay, at what point am I successful enough to be giving advice? Like who am I to be giving advice about how to run a business? And I think people struggle, a lot of people listening to this probably struggle with that as well. Not only in terms of that, but even just in terms of like being a health coach or like a trainer, like people don't feel like they know enough yet or they're an expert yet. And I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, How, like, what would you tell someone who's wondering that? Like, am I successful enough to start giving advice out about this? So I would say, I mean, first and foremost, I think people got to realize that success in knowledge and education is, it's like what I call chasing the unicorn, right? It never really stops. Mm-hmm. It's infinity. So, you know, I was surrounding myself with people who ran million dollar businesses, but because I wasn't a millionaire, I decided that I can't do that for people. Yet there was people who were just trying to make five grand a, a, a month. Mm-hmm. I can help those people, right? 10 grand a month. I can help those people. These people just need to learn how to coach. They need to know how to program design. Um, so for me, it was number one, surrounding myself with the right people. That's probably going to be the biggest thing that I would tell people because no matter what, we're going to sh- like shut ourselves down no matter what. We're always the first people to doubt, always the first person to create a negative story. Um, And a lot of times that stops us from taking action on things that we want to do. We could have things that are on our mind and our heart that we really want to accomplish, but it's our own stories that we tell ourselves that stop ourselves from actually doing anything or even just taking one simple step towards that goal because we create all these stories. So the first thing is just going to be surrounding yourself with people who believe in you and who have done what you want to do because they will tell you the same thing that I'm telling you right now. Like you can do it. You just need to take small steps and just keep working towards it. Um, and then just reflecting, like I'm really big on appreciating what you've already done in the past. Like every day, gratitude journal, appreciation notes to my fiance, to my friends, to my coworkers, whoever. Um, and I think constantly, it's kind of like stopping small the roses. Like I really, really do think that's a big piece of it because if you're never reflecting on what you've accomplished, you'll just forget or just constantly think in the future, which is not a smart thing to do because you'll never slow down enough to believe in yourself to actually move forward. And I mean, obviously, you know, there's books and people that I've followed and seminars and all those little things that I've done in the past, but I don't think that's the biggest thing. I think just creating self-belief starts with eliminating um, self-limiting beliefs. Um, and a lot of that comes from surrounding yourself with the right people, daily practices about um, appreciation and gratitude and stuff like that. Um, and it sounds so simple, but I think, and I think that's the issue. A lot of people want some elaborate answer and mm-hmm. they're like, okay, dude, like a gratitude journal is going to get me there. And it's like, dude, it, it, it actually is. will. Yeah, It really is the process. And even like Tony Robbins, these super big successful people, they do all these little cheesy things. Um, and that's what they swear by. And there's a reason for it because if you can create that vision and that belief in your own self, like your daily actions will just reflect that and then it just grows. Yeah. I'm really glad you said that. You know, I'm such a big believer in all that stuff too. And we've talked about, we've talked about that before as well. And Another thing related to that is this issue of, okay, here we go. Okay, so I feel like I spend so much time trying to convince people, like, you need a you need a coach. Like, why are people so ashamed to have a coach? Like, and we've talked about this, like, having some type of coach or mentor really helps you get to the next level. But then I see on the other side of things, there are all these people running around who are pretending to be coaches, whether it be for business or 
nutrition or fitness who don't know what the hell they're doing and also aren't qualified. And I find that it's almost like the people who feel like they have that imposter syndrome, like, no, I'm not, I don't know enough, I shouldn't be doing this, are usually the ones who should be. And then the ones who, like, have no no issues going out and being like, I'm a business coach today, usually don't know what the hell they're doing. And I was talking to my friend about this, you know, she decided to invest in a business coach and she went for this girl who has a huge following, has a very convincing social social media presence and acts like she knows everything. She shelled out four grand and this this business coach woman like didn't respond to any of her texts, her emails, didn't pay attention to her. She got no value out of it. Um, and that scares the hell out of me. And I'm curious if you like have any red flags to look out for. Like how do you know if someone is actually worth it to invest in as a coach? Man, that's a, you're so true on everything you just said. Um, And I think for me, the biggest, I don't know if, okay, so like a red flag would be if they are not doing this. And to me, a coach should be somebody who is number one, giving away as much free information as possible. Coaches become coaches because they like to help people. They like to give, they like to educate, they like to teach, they like to spread whatever passion or gift that they have. And they kind of fall into the role of coach. They'll never stop doing that. Um, The second thing is if they ever say this is the way or they're not giving you any information unless you pay first or anything like that, like they're quiet to talk to you, they're probably not the right fit. I I answer every email I get. I answer every DM I get. And sometimes that takes a long time. But I just want to help people. And if they ask for coaching, then we'll go down that route. And and I think it starts with – Finding somebody who understands that there is no one way. Every single person I mentor, every single person I coach, whether it's training, nutrition, business, they're all in different positions. They all have different action steps from me. They have different paths. They have different goals. So everything is different, and there's a million ways to skin a cat. I think Mm -hmm. the problem is a lot of people pitch masterminds and business coaching, and they say, I'm going to teach you this funnel system, and we're going to go this way. And that shit doesn't work. Like (laughs) I can create a funnel that will work for my business and it won't work for anybody else's business. Mm -hmm. The reason it worked is because, and this is just my opinion because there are like hacks to click funnels and shit like that. But in my opinion, if I have a funnel or a sales system and it works, the reason it works is because there's a lot of people who follow me, who believe in me and who trust me has nothing to do with the funnel being a certain way. It has everything to do that I've built trust in those people. And that comes from me delivering free information giving as much value as possible and just educating people. So I think any red flag is anybody who disagrees with what I just said or anybody who is not being just authentic and just real about what they do. And and some people will even say like, man, you give away so much free information. That's probably not good. Like, what are they going to pay you for? And I'm like, well, they pay me because I make sure that they execute on those things and Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep them accountable. Um, and I think that's what separates a lot of people. Um, if that, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, no, I think that's helpful. But do you ever find that in giving away so much free information that you also attract people who feel entitled to free information and never want to pay? 100%. 100%. Um, and I've gone down conversations with people and there does become a point where I say, hey, I'm just going to let you know. Like, I don't say this is where the conversation <laughs> stops. But yeah. I say like, you know – I can give you only so much because like, and I get this at least a few times a day, like, Hey man, like I really need help building my online business. And I'm like, okay, dude, like 
let's talk. And they're like, okay, well, should I do this or this? And I'm like, look, if I'm going to help you build a business, I need to talk to you on the phone. I got to see where you're at, see where your revenue's at, who's your niche clientele. Like there's a big process. I'm just going to be real with you. Like this is what people paid me for because it takes a lot of time and effort. So if you do want to go that route, dude, I'm happy to help you. Um, so there is kind of that line where, where people try to abuse it. Um, and you just got to be real with them. And I say it in a respectful way. Um, so I definitely think there's a line, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think, uh, it's hard to avoid that. (laughs) Yeah. There's always going to be people like that. I also think that certain platforms attract different people like that. Like, um, I see this a lot with sort of people in my more like food bloggy health space. And a lot of, I don't think that they don't realize that they might be sort of marketing themselves towards the wrong demographic. Like if all you're attracting are like 16 to 18 year olds, yeah, they're never going to pay you. They can't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like they, they're not going to. And I think part of it has to do with kind of like knowing who, who are you actually trying to reach? I think a lot of people don't even know exactly who they're trying to reach. And then, you know, when you really realize who you're trying to reach, then like change your content to target them. Yeah. And then your message will okay. clear. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And that's actually something I do with all my mentor clients from the jump. Like we fill out an avatar form because it's like, okay, if I'm a fitness coach or a nutrition coach and all I'm doing is just providing fitness and nutrition content, um, two things are going to happen. Either A, it's just way too broad and I'm just casting way too big of a net and there's millions of other coaches and millions of other people and I'm just not going to catch any fish. Or B, I'm going to only attract people who are exactly like me. I'm going to attract other 26-year-old dudes who have tattoos and like hip-hop. And (laughs) that might be cool, but if I don't want to go down that route, then I need to change my message. Um, And so like I think being okay with who you attract and learning how to navigate your content to attract the right person is huge. Um, For me personally, the majority of my clients are female. The majority of my clients have kids. The majority of my clients are not obsessed, but they're gym rats. Like they're very committed to the process. And I've actually been – purposely steering that way because I saw who I was attracting. Um, I saw who I liked communicating with. I saw what clients were most successful with me. And instead of me going, man, I only want to train guys who like to lift heavy and want to build muscle. I'm going to help the people who I keep just naturally attracting and I'm going to double down on making content for those people. And that's helped me a lot. And that's something I kind of steer my mentor clients in the route of as well. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. I'm kind of curious, like, are there any big things that stand out in your mind as like, things that were really holding you back from building and growing your business, like big mistakes or like things that you see a lot of people making? Yeah, I think, so for me personally, um, I was focusing on too many things at once um, in, in multiple areas. First being that I worked for a facility and I, and I was trying to start my own online business and there was no hard feelings about doing two things, but it was way too confusing for the consumer. Like, am I this gym or am I boom, boom, performance online coaching? Are you training with me in person? Or are you training with me online? Am I doing fitness or am I doing nutrition? Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was kind of like dipping my toes in both companies and I was marketing a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, it actually wasn't until I found out I was having a baby that I quit that job and was like, I just, cause I was there or I was working on my online business all morning and then I'm training there all night. It just, mm-hmm. I was never home. My fiance barely saw me as it was. Now I'm going to have a kid. I was like, I'm not going to be that guy. So I quit that and my business tripled within a matter of like no shit, maybe three to four months. And it was kind of like an aha moment. Like, Oh, 
it's very, my marketing is so clear now. My message is so clear now. This is my brand. This is why I do this. And this is who I'm helping. This is who I'm targeting. Um, and I could control that. So I think, and you can apply that to a lot of areas of your life. If you're focusing on too many things, um, and I actually read the book, the one thing, and it really was like a light bulb for me. If you're focusing on too many things at once, you're just going to, you're never going to, it's like kind of like casting that too big of a net to catch any fish thing. Um, I think that, <clears throat> If you're doing bodybuilding and CrossFit and you're a health coach and you do some of the yoga on the side, like there's all these things, like nobody's going to take you seriously because you're a jack of all trades, a master of none. Um, so for me, it was nailing down like, okay, this is my business. It's only online. This is exactly who I help and I'm just going to repeat my message. And I think that's where people go wrong is they're afraid to repeat the same, same like message over and over again, um, which is actually what you want to do. So if we look at Gary Vee, and I'm a big Gary Vee fan. That was like I was the dude that would like make breakfast while watching the same Gary Vee YouTube video and like get fired up and be like, "Yeah, fucking hustle, man!" And like, <laughs> it's so funny thinking about it. But this guy repeats the same message every single day on every single platform. Oh, it's so repetitive. Nothing changes. It's it's almost annoying. But then you think about it. It's like, okay, well, he's becoming more and more well known and wealthier and wealthier. Why is that? It's because he's attracting more and more people who want to hear that message. So for me, I was like, what's my message? Let me repeat that every single day on every single platform in as many ways as possible. And I'll just keep doing that. And that's really what helped me. So I think a lot of trainers, a lot of coaches, um, a lot of people in general, I think you, they're afraid to repeat the same thing over and over again because they think it's going to be too repetitive. But in, in reality, that's what we want because we want to attract the people who need to hear that message. There's millions of people out there that need to hear it. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. I definitely went through that as well, and I try and share that with like my friends too because it's it can be awkward at first. You're like, I already said that. Why would I say it again? Like people want more, right? They want, but you can tell someone the same thing 50 times, and they're not really gonna hear it until it just clicks for them. And even then, after it clicks, they got to hear it again. Like yeah. people, and I think also content creators will put something out and they just assume that everyone heard it. And, like, you caught maybe, like, what, like, 5% of your audience? They didn't actually hear it. So you have to send it out again and again and again. And yeah. I think people overestimate how many people are really hearing them, especially when we are so inundated with content from so many different people. Like, you don't even remember, even if you did hear it, you know? Yeah. And, and the thing is with hiring a coach, like, you have to build trust first, right? So people will – people are not going to – follow you on Instagram, click the application page and apply for your coaching in the same week. It takes months. So we have a little thing, like when I get on the phone with somebody or when my assistant gets on the phone with an applicant, we always ask them, like, how long have you been following Boom Boom Performance and where did you find us? And I've never heard anybody say less than three months. And it's usually six, sometimes even a year. So it's like these people have been hearing me say, and my whole thing is lifestyle adherence. Like, let's mm -hmm. just make everything fit your lifestyle so you can adhere. And I've repeated that a million times. People will listen to that message for six to 12 months every single day, every single week. I just keep hammering it in their head and then they'll finally hire me for coaching. Mm -hmm. So I think people need to be patient and they need to understand that, like you said, people need to get that message just beaten in their head over and over again to actually understand it. Um, and I'm, I'm the same way. I've, I've hired and I always have coaches in my life. I've, I don't think I've ever not been coached since I've done this as a career, mm -hmm. um, something I always invest in. And most of the coaches I've followed for a long time before I actually hired them because I wanted to trust them. I wanted to know who they were. I wanted to relate to them. I wanted to see their authenticity. And then after months and months of absorbing their content, then I pay them. So mm -hmm. uh, 100% agree. Okay. 
I want to backtrack for a second and talk more about your history. Um, okay. Because I, I'm so curious to hear kind of how you got into everything. And, like, it shocks me when you say, like, you used to be the fat kid. Like, <laughs> I would never imagine that. So can you kind of go back to the beginning and talk about kind of, like, your own health journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up um, – it's funny. So I was always, like – I shouldn't say like I was never obese, but I was always like the chubby kid for sure. I was the definitely the biggest in my circle, my friends, but I was like the chubby kid. My brother ate horrible, had a six pack. My dad, mom were super athletic, super lean. I was like the black sheep. Didn't make any sense. Um, and growing up that way, just it takes its toll on you. You know what I mean? Like skipping the lake, um, not going to the pool. Like in P class, you're the last to run the mile. I couldn't do the chin up test back in my day, which is funny saying that because I'm not old at all. But um, we used to climb the rope to the ceiling in P class, which there's no way they would let any kids do that now. Yeah, like, no, I didn't have to do that. <laughs> they they would just put pads in the gymnasium, which is super dangerous. But um, I could never climb the fucking rope because I was just too chubby. And in high school, I started skateboarding. And I started playing soccer more, and that's when I started losing weight. And um, junior year, at this point, I'm still like I'm not like lean or ripped, but I'm really good at soccer. I'm playing on multiple teams year round. Um, finally, feeling good, and then I tore my meniscus and had to stop all sports. Gained a little bit of weight after surgery. Came back senior year, got captain of the team, tore my ACL in the same knee in preseason. Oh my so at God. this point, this is my second knee injury right before high school is done. So I'm not, I ended up not going to college for soccer. I put on even more weight and I'm the heaviest I've ever been. And I'm just going to school for something at a community college because my parents kind of forced me and I just, I didn't care about it. I was skipping class, like not going down a good path. Um, and I, I really had just a hard conversation with myself, like, and I think a lot of people actually do this. They avoid the scale. They avoid actually like looking in the mirror and analyzing what they don't like to see, which can be tough. And I, I remember looking in the mirror and, and literally just seeing stretch marks coming for the first time and just being like, what am I doing? And this is the first time I looked at myself and it was just like – I and admitted that I hated what I saw. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point that um, – and usually this isn't the best way to go. I'm, I'm about building slow habits. I just went cold turkey. Like I cut out – soda and I cut out junk food and I cut out everything I was doing. I was 18 at this time. I graduated young. So I graduated at 17. Um, but at 18, I started trying to lose weight, tried everything, uh, muscle magazines. I tried, uh, I don't know if you remember HCG, I think it was called. You like put droplets and then eat 500 calories a day. Oh my God. People still do that. I see that. It's insane. Yeah. So I worked at a, I worked at a Rite Aid. I don't know if they have Rite Aids over there. But, yeah, they do. Uh, So I worked at a Rite Aid when I was 18 going to school and they sold them behind the counter and I was like, fuck it, I'll do this. And it worked and then I gained all the way back, of course. Um, So I tried everything and then I finally, um, I ran into a guy at college. He was a professor of a personal training course at this college. So it's like a two-year program and he didn't look like he was in shape by any means, but he told me because he saw me in the gym with a knee brace. I think I can help you with your knee, help you get in shape. Like you should come to one of my classes. And I kind of just was like, whatever, dude, like who are you? Yeah. Some old dude. And then, uh, days went on, weeks went on and I was in class at a business. It was intro to business. And I asked the teacher, I'll never forget this. I was like, uh, how many businesses have you ran? Cause he was teaching us about business. And he said, none. And I was like, why are you teaching us about business? So I got up and left. And I was like, <laughs> like I lived that's amazing. Class. I wasn't the best kid either. I was, I was never getting good grades and stuff. So yeah. I'm walking by, um, the training 
building or whatever. And I just decided to walk into this dude's class. I was like, fuck it. He said to come to his class. I'm just going to pop in. And it was a class called functional fitness. And there was a picture of a baby on a PowerPoint and they were crawling, but they were looking at movement patterns of a baby because babies have like a very good quadruped movement, um, motor unit. And we kind of lose that ability to move properly as we have shitty posture and grow up in society. And I actually was just hooked. I started coming to his class instead of my own. And then I went and forged my dad's signature, changed my degree, and just went all in on fitness. I was still chubby at this point too. But I was like – my mom's the only one I told. And she was like, you know what, sweetie? You do whatever you want. So I was like, all right, I'm all in. So I started training. I started losing weight. Um, I met a guy that came and spoke to our class. And I just started bugging him. Then I started interning for him. So I worked for months for free while working at Rite Aid and going to school just trying to learn um, I read every blog under the sun and during this whole time, my whole goal was like, I'm going to start a blog someday and I'm going to make money from it. And I don't know how, like that was my mission because I saw T nation and guys like Jason Ferrugia, Nate green, like all these people creating blogs and doing cool things with their lives. And I was like, I want to do that. So I started writing, started my own blog and it kind of just built up over time. It changed the name to boom, boom performance. Cause my nickname is Cody boom, boom. Um, I worked as a trainer for years and for six to seven years, I wrote blogs for free. I trained people every day of the week. And it wasn't until like six and a half years of doing that that I really started an online business and started coaching people online. Um, and then that was three, four years ago, and it's just kind of grown and grown. And now I'm here today talking to you. <laughs> yeah, well, okay. So you started learning about fitness. You changed your degree. And then, but like at what point did you like lose the weight? And like, how, what was that? Like, what did you do to kind of finally get in shape and like keep it off? It actually happened really quick for me. Um, after I tried the bullshit HCG and all that stuff, <laughs> Yeah. this was like boot camps blew up at this time. So at, at this time when I was going to school, I was almost 19 years old. And this is when like hit training and hit circuits became like a really popular thing. Basically throw five exercises out there and just do them as fast as you can. Yeah. And I just started doing that like crazy. I was like, I'm just going to do this high intensity stuff every single day. And eventually you just get fatigued and you burn out. But I just lost a ton of weight. So I went from like two, I was like 205, 210 pounds. I'm five, nine, five, ten, And I dropped down to like 160. So I lost about 40 to 50 pounds just doing that and just cleaning up my eating. Um, at that point, I had no idea about macros. I didn't really understand what was important for my health. I just knew that like a lot of shit I was eating was very bad for me and processed sugar. And I just, and when you're young, like I switched to whole wheat bread and special K cereal and I lost 10 pounds, right? Yeah. Like it was, it, I, I definitely had the age on my, on my side during that time. Um, but then I hit a plateau. So that was like really early and I was lean at this point when I started interning for this guy named Luca Hosovar. He was from Slovenia this bald dude, super jacked and like all about like just the most brutal functional training. Like sessions with this guy were like two and a half hours long, all sandbags and chains and kettlebells, just straight European training, garage style. Nobody was doing this back then. Yeah. And he had a garage gym with graffiti on the walls and shit. And I started training with him and I actually gained like 15 pounds of muscle. So then I started building muscle because I was kind of like fat to skinny to like naturally jacked-ish, I guess you could say. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, that was, I mean, I was, I was young. So that, that all happened between the ages of 18 and 20, I would say. Okay. Wow. That's a lot. Okay. So then at what point did you compete? Cause you said you competed. Yeah, I think I competed. I think I was 22 years old. So a couple years after that, um, I actually did. So I did a, I was in physique and my girlfriend at the time did bikini and I prepped her for her show. Horrible idea. 
don't ever do that with a, your relationship. Wait, uh, why? I want to know what happened. Just anytime, like any, and I do this with like other coaches that I work with. Like, uh, they're like, oh yeah, my wife wants me to do her programming or die. I'm like, don't do that, man. Hire out. Like I will pay anybody to do my fiance stuff before I do it. I'll give her workouts and stuff, but I think that trying to manipulate your significant other's diet plan to lose body fat and get ready for stage is a very, very bad path to go down. And it's just going to create arguments, just going to create fights and tension. Um, definitely not a good idea. And we were both very hard headed fitness junkies. Like it was just, it was a bad mix, but, um, but yeah, that's a completely different topic. Yeah. So (laughs) about 22 years old, I did uh, a physique competition, got absolutely shredded to the point that it was very unhealthy. I mean, I was doing cardio every day. Um, very, very typical bro bodybuilding diet. I had a list of like eight foods that I could eat. Um, every single day carrying around a jug of water, like the very classic old school thing. Um, and I got shredded. It worked. I mean, I can't say that it didn't. It just afterwards. And this is one of those things where you hire a coach and you do your show and then you go, okay, now what? And it's over. They just prep you for the show and they say goodbye. They get your before and after you're done. And at this point I didn't know about reverse dieting. I don't think anybody did back then. Um, cause that was five years ago and I just kind of, piled on weight and I actually did the worst thing you could possibly do. I had a cruise lined up as like a celebration. So we did the show and then two days later left on a cruise. That was all you can eat and drink. Mm-hmm. Horrible idea. Came back, had a lot of weight on me. Couldn't see my abs anymore. Just fucked my head. And, and then I went right back into just tons of cardio and trying to diet to get back to where I was. And it didn't work and I didn't know why. Um, and that led me down a path of like more trying to find what health is and uh, learning about hormones and what was going on with my body and, and so on and so forth. So um, that was a that was really and it was a blessing in disguise. That's what actually led me to doing what I do today, which is helping people do things the right way. Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of people who are listening to this probably aren't really familiar with like reverse dieting and kind of how you're mentioning like you you learned what kind of happened to your hormones. Could you explain more about kind of like the importance of coming out of competition correctly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if we look at any, especially in competition world, and I think it's bad right now because reverse dieting is a big thing. So people don't tell the truth a lot about competitions. But the reality is if you're going to get that lean, you do have to diet. You do have to go into a pretty severe deficit. You probably have to stay there longer than what is healthy. You're probably going to jack up your hormones. A lot of women lose their periods. Like, it's part of the sport. And that's why like when people come to me like, oh, I want to do a show. I'm like, well, why do you want to do a show? Like, are you into the sport of bodybuilding? No. And I'm like, okay, well, let's do something else because that's the only reason to do it. Um, and so when you are in a chronic deficit for too long, a lot of hormones just kind of slow down. A lot of things decline. A lot of uh, processes just kind of shut down. Um, and usually what that looks like is it could be thyroid, testosterone. Metabolism definitely takes a big hit. Cortisol usually goes through the roof because you're stressed out all the time. You're not sleeping as much training performance goes down. All these bad things are happening. Um, and when you get done with the show, like you're in a position where your metabolism is adjusted to a very low amount of calories because as you drop calories, your metabolism adjusts along the way. Naturally, it's, your body's a very adaptive thing. Well, if you get done with the show and you're eating, I mean, it's not uncommon to be eating less than 1500 calories when you get on stage. And again, it's part of a sport. Like if you ask a UFC fighter, if he thinks what he's doing is healthy and safe, he'll probably say no, but it's part of a sport, right? So when you're at that point, if you go, okay, I'm done with the show, I'm going to bump back to where I was before I started at 2200 calories. Well, your body's not going to be able to adjust to that 700 plus calorie 
aggressive incline and you're just going to store body fat because your metabolism so so slow so and even though if you do that your thyroid your testosterone those things might feel better but you're not going to look better so the process of reverse dieting is kind of just slowly adding calories i mean you can do five percent to 25 percent. it just kind of depends on the person of how aggressive you can increase calories but it's basically week by week or bi-weekly slowly adding carbs and fats to your diet because usually you don't tamper with protein until you get to a point where you're either at maintenance or just above maintenance where you're feeling better, your hormones are in better check, your metabolism starting to speed up, your performance in the gym is better. All these different biofeedback markers are good. And if you go slow enough, usually you don't gain a bunch of weight afterwards. Now, if you're on stage, you're probably going to gain some weight. You probably should gain some weight because being that lean isn't healthy. Um, but there's a lot of people that have gained 20, 30 pounds after a show. That's not healthy because just like being too lean is, isn't healthy, being too overweight isn't healthy. So it's a process of just slowly doing it. And when I work with clients, sometimes it's I, I tell them like, hey, you're going to gain some weight because you're in a position where you – it wasn't just a 12 to 20-week prep. You've been doing this for a year. You're in a very unhealthy place. Mm-hmm. We are going to take a more aggressive approach because you need this and I mm-hmm. will not diet you harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're going to gain some weight. So if you're willing to do this with me and be committed to 6 to 12 months, then we can go down this process. Um, and other people are, for lack of better terms, freak of natures and like you'll add – hundreds of calories and they get leaner and it's like mm-hmm. what the hell but they're like the one percent like it's very very rare that that happens yeah i think it's useful for people to understand because okay that's not just for like someone who's competing there's a lot mm-hmm. of women i'm sure you see this all the time who have like totally messed up their metabolisms because they're overtraining and under eating just because they're trying to get in shape and it's the same process to like restore their metabolism just like not as extreme yeah so What I see the most of personally, and I don't know how this ended up being my market, and um, one of my coaches that works for me is in CrossFit, so I know it's going to be even more prevalent, but I see a lot of CrossFit women that Mm. come to me, and they're trying to lose weight, so they join CrossFit. CrossFit is one of the most intense forms of training you could possibly do. Um, just like UFC, like I was talking about, it's a sport. It's not really like, and you can do CrossFit. This isn't me shitting on CrossFit because CrossFit is cool. Um, but if you're going to do CrossFit, you shouldn't be doing CrossFit five to six days a week nonstop and being at a deficit. Like the people who are on the TV doing this, they're eating more than enough calories to support that training intensity. So I see a lot of women who come to me who are dieting to lose weight. So they're not eating enough and they're doing a lot of CrossFit, which is super intense and just draining on their central nervous system. And that leads to a whole gang of, of hormonal issues. And um, those are the people I'm usually reverse dieting because you have to. And, and sometimes I actually see more um, genetic freaks in that category than anything because – and I think part of it is they're doing such hard training and they don't understand why they're not improving in the gym. And then I give them calories and their performance goes through the roof mm-hmm. and they get leaner because they're actually benefiting from the training now because they're eating enough. Um, and it's like this anomaly. Like they think it's crazy and it's – it's just fuel. Like you have to fuel your body properly. Yeah. CrossFit is a, a beast of its own. And I mean, I don't, I don't work with that many people who do CrossFit. Um, I've had a few, but what's interesting is I've had a few people who are doing CrossFit and they don't understand why they lost weight at first and now they're gaining weight, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm like, well, yeah, cause your metabolism is slow. Like you're stressing your body out. Um, I'm curious kind of what, your general philosophy is around like a good program design like a good like exercise routine for a woman who's like trying to get in good shape yeah 
So it obviously, and this is always my answer, it depends. Um, yeah. What I do is very, very individual. So depending on the person, I usually start with what kind of training they like. So if we take the CrossFit category, if somebody comes to me and they're struggling to lose weight and they love CrossFit, I'm going to include some CrossFit. They're going to mm-hmm. get a little more calories, but I'm definitely not going to let them do it nonstop. So the best way for me to answer this question, though, um, if we look at a well-designed training program, we're going to have waves of parasympathetic and sympathetic loads on your nervous system throughout the week. So parasympathetic is rest, recover, digest. It's kind of like the slower process of calming down. Um, sympathetic is when our nervous system is super high. The problem with sympathetic is that it brings cortisol up as well, which is good in the short term because when we train, if cortisol goes up, adrenaline goes up, we can actually train harder. So we're going to build strength. We're going to build muscle. We're going to perform well. But if cortisol is just staying up all week, we're in a chronically elevated level of cortisol. That's going to create more stress on your body and your hormones. That's going to lead to a whole cascade of just negative side effects later on down the road, which goes back to what you said. People ramp up cortisol. They ramp up sympathetic nervous system, and they get these crazy good results because their body hasn't burnt out from it yet, I guess you could say. And then after one, two, three months, all of a sudden it shuts down because it's just too much. So what I like to do is have like sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic, parasympathetic going up and down throughout the week. So that could look like Monday could be CrossFit or it could just be a higher intensity strength workout. Tuesday could be low intensity cardio, could be yoga, could be more bodybuilding style training where we're not going less than eight reps. Our RPE, like rate of perceived exertion, is very low. So every set you finish, you're like, oh, I have a couple more in the tank for sure. So we're just not pressing too hard. Wednesday, we can pick it back up and go hard again. Um, And then one to two days a week, we're always resting no matter what. But what I find is with women or men or anybody really, if we can have three to four days a week of sympathetic drive very hard training and then the other days either rest or very parasympathetic uh, promoting or just not so hard that your cortisol is going to stay cranked up and your body's going to stay stressed out. People get really good results. I can't tell you how many CrossFitters I've had come to me and I take away three days of CrossFit and add some like lower intensity bodybuilding and they see fantastic results and they PR in the gym and perform better with CrossFit. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because they're recovering. So if we look at any form of training, it's a stress on the body. But if we can't recover from that stress – you're not going to be able to adapt. And when we adapt is really when we actually see results because it's mm-hmm. stress, you elicit that change. You elicit a stress so you can adapt and recover from it so you can actually change your body, change your performance, improve, um, so on and so forth. So for anybody listening, I think the best way to go is actually to have a blend of sympathetic and parasympathetic and just kind of look at it like – I always use like a shelf analogy. I have my sympathetic shelf and my parasympathetic. Every time I put something on that stress dominant shelf, that sympathetic shelf, I have to put something on the other side that's going to help me recover for it, from it. And what people mess up with is that they go, okay, I'm training five days a week. I can do five recovery things. And I'm like, okay, well, what about your relationship stress, your kids, your work, your lack of sleep, your emotional stress, your self-doubt that you're always racking up in your brain? Your nervous system doesn't know the difference. All it knows is stress. So you have to consider all those other things and actually recover from those as well. I seriously love that explanation. I've never heard anyone explain it like that before. And I think that that's like makes it very clear for people listening. So I love that. Um, So I'm curious. So so do you consider lifting weights sympathetic or parasympathetic? Or does it depend on? If we're like going by like a textbook, it is sympathetic, right? Like Mm -hmm. because it is a stress on the body. I just think that you can make it less sympathetic and mm-hmm. um, your body's going to more easily come back down into a parasympathetic state if it is less sympathetic. So for example, if I do a CrossFit workout and I ramp up my system 
it's going to be very hard for me to come down from that. But if I go do a bodybuilding, I'm getting a pump. I'm not lifting super heavy, but I'm just feeling my muscles work. My heart rate's kind of getting up and not that crazy. I'm going to way more easily come back down from that. Right, like afterwards, it's going to be easier for me to calm down, and my cortisol is going to lower more. Um, that's going to be a big help, and this is actually where nutrition comes into play too. Because even with my people who do, they're addicted to that intensity. I can't just take it all away from them because they're not going to work with me. They're just going to say peace and keep doing it anyway. So for those people, it's more like okay, after those sessions, I want you to lay down and do some belly breathing before you leave the gym because that's going to calm your nervous system down. Right after that, I want you to get a post-workout shake, which sounds like crazy to people because it's like, oh, that's a myth. And it could be food. I'd rather it be food, but some people stuck in traffic, stuff like that. All I want is carbs and protein in your system right away. It's going to spike insulin. It's going to blunt the cortisol response. You're going to more easily recover. The longer you wait for that, the higher cortisol stays after your workout and that can cause more stress. So by no means in my, like I'm a whole foods guy. My, Mm -hmm. my garage is a gym, so I don't do shakes literally at all, but I do eat right afterwards so that I can blunt that response and I cannot be wired all night and overly stressed. So, um, I think it's just, it's a balance between that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's a good explanation. It's, I'm glad you brought that up about eating afterwards because this is the thing people in the health space, they're just so black and white. Like, don't eat after a workout, like growth hormone is elevated, like, or like, yes, always eat after a workout. And it, it's what you said. It like, it depends on what's going on, you know, and like who you are and uh, that something kind of unrelated, but I always bring up with, if I have clients who have acne, I'm like, do you eat after you work out? And they're like, why? I'm like, cause sometimes if you don't eat after you work out, testosterone stays high and then you break out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like just little things like that where it really just depends on the person um is really important to take into consideration i am curious thoughts on cardio yeah i think um i'm a big fan to be honest with you i think it's uh depending on what so like i think there's two ways that um there's two ways i look at this um obviously before i say anything excessive anything is bad for you mm-hmm. excessive food, vitamins, water, cardio training, anything too much is just going to be bad for you. By no means am I like, oh, cardio is more important for fat loss, like stuff like that. I like cardio because number one, it is actually healthy for you. Um, number two, it's restorative and it's actually promotes better recovery. So I like when, um, when you get done with the training session, just like the breathing, go on a quick walk or in the mornings, go for a walk on your off days. Don't sit on the couch all day go for a walk because we're creating lubrication in our joints. We're bringing oxygen and blood flow to our muscles. It's actually going to promote better recovery. Walking has been shown to be the only exercise that actually reduces cortisol, which again is going to help us with stress. It's going to help us promote recovery. Um, And then also if we look at just aerobic capacity, whether we're doing um, low intensity, high intensity, or moderate intensity, it's not only good for your heart, but it's good for your aerobic system, which is actually going to help you recover between sets. So I'll have guys that are stuck building muscle, and I'll actually have them add more aerobic work in. They can recover faster. They can do more uh, longer sets. They can have uh, better muscle endurance. They actually build more muscle. So I'm a big fan of cardio um, for multiple reasons. I just think that some people overdo it. So when I say you should be doing this, I'm not saying every single day you're doing tons of cardio. I mean like a couple days a week you should push yourself with some cardio. Um I am a big fan of um, super low intensity for low, um, like a not a very long duration every single day mm-hmm. because I think from the mental side of things, there's something about getting up and moving your body first thing in the morning um, and just walking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's headspace. It's kind of like meditation. Um, there's something that goes on in your spinal cord that actually gets your brain to work a little bit better too. Um, I'm not going to go too deep in that because I don't know the science behind it, but I have heard people talk about this um, and it's legit where – 
if you're moving in the morning, now that could be mobility, could be training, could be walking. Your brain's going to function better throughout the day if you do that first thing in the morning. Um, and I'm a big morning ritual guy, so um, so I like cardio. I think it's smart. Um, now, if someone comes to me and their goal is fat loss, I'm always going to try to tweak nutrition and strength training before I add cardio in to lose fat. The only time I'm like, okay, we're going to start adding cardio in to lose more body fat is when somebody will adhere better to that than they will cutting calories or they will with anything in their training. If it's an easier adjustment to make for that individual, I will add it in, but it's never excessive. Yeah, I'm curious in terms of like not – okay, not in terms of health necessarily, but in terms of like results physically – do you think that getting in a good workout session or being generally very active throughout the day is more important? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it's hard. Um, again, if nutrition is dialed in. Let's just assume yeah, it's dialed in. Assuming that adherence isn't an issue with whatever I tell the person, um, I think training is more important. Um They've actually done some studies. Like, there's a really cool recovery book that came out that like goes in depth with everything around this stuff. And what they found is actually the best way to do it is actually to have a good strength training session and then actually spend hours doing nothing and like kind of chilling. And because even with massage, they found this out too. Is like one of the main reasons massages make us feel more recovered and calm our muscles down has nothing to do with digging into the muscles, and it has everything due to the stress relief, the Mm -hmm. parasympathetic calm down. Um, and I think that if you can train really hard and then do that, focus on relaxation, I think you're going to get better results. And on top of that, your body is an adaptive thing. There's only so much you can do with like meat. If you do 10,000 steps a day, you're going to lose some weight. But the problem with that is your body's going to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. Same thing with cardio with training. You can vary your training so much day to day, week to week, block to block that there's always a way to progress. There's always a way to tweak your body can never fully adapt to it. And because of that, I think you're going to get better results. And, and, and as you know, like if we build muscle, whether, and this doesn't mean like women are going to get bulky or anything, but anybody who builds muscle, your, your metabolism is going to speed up. You're going to have better health measurements. You're probably going to have higher output of hormones. You're going to burn more calories at rest. Um, your nutrient partitioning and insulin sensitivity is going to improve all those things directly relate to physical composition. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I would say training for sure. Okay. Can we touch on women getting bulky for a second? Um, (laughs) my favorite myth. (laughs) Okay, go, go for it. I, I mean, so the, the first thing I always say to any – so I get this all the time. Like I said, I work with predominantly female. The first thing I always say is I'm like, look, I have a high level of testosterone. I've been tested. Like I'm good on that realm and I am trying really hard to get big and to get bulky and it's not working very fast. Mm-hmm. So you can calm down because you do not have the sex hormone profile. You're not training as much as me. You're not in a calorie surplus, which we know you have to be in a calorie surplus to build muscle unless you're brand new to weights. And even then, without exogenous steroids and, and hormones, you're not. You're just not going to get that big. It's just you. It just it's physically impossible mm-hmm. um, from a hormonal standpoint. So usually, what I tell people when women approach me is I always use the analogy of like I'm trying really hard and it's not working very well. So I think you'll be fine, right? Um, but after that, it's kind of just educating them on the science behind the hormones. Like you guys just literally do not have the hormonal profile. Can you build muscle? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we see plenty of CrossFitters that look pretty jacked, right? That are women. Um, now there's a lot of CrossFitters in the games that I do believe are on drugs, mm-hmm. but 
uh, there's also a lot of women who are pretty jacked from doing like CrossFit stuff. But if you look at where they're like super big from, um, it's usually upper back shoulders. And usually that's from the Olympic lifts because they're doing snatches and, and cleans every single day. Um, and a lot of those women don't diet. They're eating enough calories to support muscle growth. So, um, Typically, I always just let people know, like, it's it's damn near physically impossible. I think there's, like, 0.5% of women, like, legit that can build muscle like a, a males can um, naturally. And it, it's just so rare. It's just, yeah, it's just impossible. Something, so they don't have to work. Yeah, I think that this is what I've come to understand, though, recently. I think that a lot of women who are scared of getting bulky or they say they get bulky aren't necessarily getting bulky, but... I think sometimes they get inflamed um, mm-hmm. if they're over pushing themselves. And that's why I, I've been kind of like researching more about this recently. Um, where people are like, I can't, you know, when I lift heavy weights, I get bulky. And it's it's more inflammation of what I'm seeing. And I think that, you know, I see this in, because I work with a lot of people who have autoimmune issues and like their bodies are inflamed. They're going through a lot and they're trying to do this like, I don't know, CrossFit or really heavy lifting and it's causing more inflammation in their bodies and they think that's bulk when it's not really bulk. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I think that usually when that happens, if especially if it's not autoimmune related, mm-hmm. it's a it's a temporary thing. But a lot of women will start training and after a week they feel that way, so they stop and they go back to cardio. The inflammation yeah. comes down and they think it's that. Um, I've had plenty of women that will start training with me. They're on point with their diet and, and training and everything, and they'll gain a couple pounds like week one. And I'm like, just trust me and just wait. The inflammation dies down. Their body stops retaining so much water, which is just a mechanism to help recover because as we know, if we hydrate the muscles, it's going to help us recover. Um, the inflammation drops down. The weight drops down. Their body starts getting used to the training, and then they start losing weight. So sometimes it's just a matter of like just be a little bit more patient. Um, and then the only other case where women get like quote unquote bulky is really just you're eating too much food. Like you, you can't like you have to be in a surplus to gain any excess weight, whether that be muscle or mm-hmm. fat. And if you're in a caloric deficit or you're even just at maintenance, you really don't have to worry about that. Now, if somebody comes to me and they've never trained before and they're at maintenance. They might gain a little bit muscle, but like you and I both know, and this goes back to educating them, it's physically impossible for it to happen that fast. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're at maintenance or a surplus for a year, then we can talk. But like it's just – it's so hard to build muscle. Um, I mean how long have you been training for? Three years. And you're not bulky, so yeah. I think it's, it's proof that like you don't have to worry about it. And again, I'm trying. Yeah. about your like lifting weights like a madman trying to get big and it's it just doesn't happen like that yeah I think also I mean kind of thinking about like women who are coming to you and well I guess it's different if people are coming to CrossFit but if you're comparing yourself to someone who's lifting like an Olympic lifter like I mean I doubt you have every single person who comes to you lifting that heavy like as much as like an Olympic lifter right so it's it's different stimulus as well um yeah and it's, and it's frequency too. So yeah. like if we look at um, – this is why I said like CrossFitters usually have a big upper back. Um, Olympic lifting is the same thing. They got big quads, big upper back. Well, why? Because when they clean, they use their upper back. They use their quads. When they squat, they use their upper back to hold the bar. They use their quads to squat. When they snatch, they use their upper back. <laughs> they use their quads. Like every single training session, they're just hammering the same muscles over and over and over again. It's like um, I, I always joke around with uh, – my father-in-law because like he's been an iron worker his whole life and now he like works in a shop and like the dude's hands just swallow your hands like he's got like fingers that are like so thick and it's because 
he's just like done manual labor for so long, the body adapted and they grew. Well, it's the same thing when you get an Olympic lifter that's been lifting for 10 years, like, of course, their body has to do that to adapt Mm -hmm. to the stress they're providing it. But most women that approach me that are just looking for fat loss, we're not cleaning and snatching every day in the gym. Like we're doing well-rounded, we're hitting everything. We're not going overly heavy on every single lift. Like we're not in a surplus. So um, I think there's so many factors that play into it and we could just keep listing them. And at the end of the day, it, it always stems back to like, it's damn near impossible. It's not something for the women to worry about. Yeah. I'm curious your opinion on this because you are a believer that cardio moderation is good. And my friends over at Mind Pump just really hate circuits. And I'm, I'm wondering what your opinion is on circuit training. I'm not a big fan either. Um, I don't do my, my, like, so when I talk about cardio, it's usually like we're strength training. I have a very similar setup and philosophy to them when it comes to lifting. Like it's very, um, it's not always full body. They're really big on the whole full body. I have a lot of people who work well on upper lower splits, Mm -hmm. um, which I believe they just came out with an upper lower split program too. But, um, same, same philosophy, like hundred percent. When I think about cardio, it's usually like we're doing an assault bike, we're doing a rower, we're pulling a sled or we're walking. Like if you have access to a pool, we can swim. That's great for you too. But it's usually those modalities and it's usually like, okay, we're getting up in the morning and walking or maybe we're doing 20 to 30 minutes of rower at certain intervals and intensities and tracking your heart rate on days where you're not lifting. So it's Mm -hmm. completely separate. Um, With the sled or the assault bike, if we're doing like high intensity for four to six rounds, it can be at the end of a lift session. Mm -hmm. Um, But usually it's like 15 seconds of all out intensity with like one to three minute rest so you can actually recover from it. So I think when I say okay, real hit, if I hear one more person doing like a 50 minute hit class, I'm going to shoot myself in the face. It's really crazy, right? Like, oh, I'm doing hit intervals, 60 on, 60 off. I'm like, wait, <laughs> like, the, I mean, the reality is, is like ATP is the energy system that provides what we can use to do that. And it taps out at about 12 seconds. So even doing 15 seconds is like pushing it to the ultimate limit. Um, there is something called uh, lactic capacity work, and that's where you do it for 30 seconds. And these people know that they're no longer producing ATP. It's just going like above and beyond because you have to for the demands of your sport. So whether you're a CrossFitter or an MMA athlete who has no choice but to keep going, they train that. But again, it's not promoting better fat loss by any means. It's just mm-hmm. they have, it's sport specific. So, um, but yeah, like as far as circuit training, I'm not. I'm not huge in circuit training. Like the closest thing to circuit training I do will be supersets where like mm-hmm. you're supersetting a bench press and a barbell row and it's because we're short on time. So we're going to make this a little bit faster, right? It's never, never like a boot camp style. Okay. That makes sense. Is that, and is that for the same reason that they explain as like, it's basically confusing your body with the stimulus is. So you're like not getting the, like, why is it that you're not? So, I mean, a few reasons. Number one, it can get out of hand and go into like kind of like the CrossFit space where you're just going way too hard, way too much. Um, But also, too, it depends what what our goal is, right? So like like if we look at just building muscle, for example, there's actually no benefit to taking shorter rest periods. Um, There's actually less benefit because you won't lift as much weight. Mm -hmm. You won't have as much volume. Therefore, you can't build as much strength or muscle, uh, which is going to produce more fat loss in the long run. So jamming it all up into a circuit like cuts your weight short your performance goes down um it's it's more dangerous it's like your form is going to get sloppy um those are the main reasons um i don't know about i guess you could say like it confuses the body in a way where like if i'm doing my circuit is push up then row then squat then a sit up when i do the first set of push ups 
I'm very focused on my chest, my triceps, my shoulders. Everything's activating properly. But when I exhaust myself through those other ones, by the time I get back to my push-ups, everything's sloppy. Now my shoulders are taken over. My core is not engaged because my low back is sinking in. And now everything's – the form just gets kind of diminished. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessary that your muscles get confused. But I do think that it's it's just too exhausting. You'll get overly fatigued and you're not going to – um, you're not going to perform as well. It's, it's And it's the same reason why like having a bro split where you do a chest day mm-hmm. is very unadvantageous. Like you do bench press at the start, you might have good performance. But by the time you've done an incline bench, a decline bench, a flat bench, an incline fly, a one-arm fly, like you're doing all these fucking chest exercises. By the time you get down there, your volume is just gone because your performance is just declining so much. Um, so it's more about that and just having control. And I think if people focus more on building muscle, whether their goal is fat loss or not, I think they would get better results. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that too. I think it's funny in the fitness space. I feel like there are like such camps and a lot of people are either like lift weights faster, circuits, like 30 minute weight training, blah, blah, blah. And then there's this other side and everyone's like, no, classic strength training, like rest, um, you know, I think it's, I just think it's so funny how, I mean, it's like that in nutrition, in the nutrition space as well. Um, yeah. Well, but, and then yeah. the thing with that is if you look like, so the, uh, and this is how I actually, I got started running boot camps. Like I used to run boot camps okay. and they were fun. Like I ran a boot camp with 80 plus people in it at once. And it's exhilarating because you're fucking screaming, everybody's amped up. For the community purposes, I think they're great. You can't do them all the time, but I do think it's great because it gets people doing things and that's most important. Um, but if you look at the industry, like all these people who promote those things, they don't last in the industry. The people who promote, like you said, like real strength training, smart stuff, they're kind of like in the background. They're not getting as much attention. They slowly just stay in there until they're running the industry. Um, and you see all these like big names that are blowing up and I'm looking at them like, dude, I've been following you for four or five years and you're not blowing up. You've just been true to what is right for so long that people are finally coming around to it. Mm-hmm. Which relates back to what you were saying at the very beginning with like coaching, like just keep, keep sending out your message and eventually it'll, it'll catch on. Right. Um, yeah. I'm also curious since you train mostly women, do you think that there are any differences in how women should train versus men? Yes and no. Um, if I had to stick with one, like if you had a gun in my head and I had one answer, I would say no, because I don't think it's that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, what I do know is that, um, number one, women can recover faster. Do actually, like I've looked into this more and more and I think it's just a, a matter of estrogen dominance. They can actually, their oxygen consumption or something is better. Like, and I've coached so many people that will do a set. Women are ready to go like that. Men are like texting, they're breathing, they got to wait a while. Um, and that's also because men typically lift heavier weights. It takes longer to recover. It's a combination of both. Um, so in that sense, you can usually push the tempo a little bit more. Um, typically women can handle more volume. They again say that's something to do with hormones, um, pain tolerance, especially, but also, um, guys do lift a little bit heavier and that has a little bit to do with it. So you can actually push the volume a little bit higher. Like I could give a guy three sets where I could give a girl four sets. And it's pretty common across the board with that. Um, and then the last thing would be exercise selection. Not that any like women have to do different because they're a female, but because they have different goals, right? Like if I have a guy who wants to build huge arms, like I'm not going to give that same program to women who are like, I don't want to build arms. I want like a bigger butt. And I'm like, okay, well you're going to get more volume in your glutes and your hamstrings or whatever your goal is. Um, so 
inherently no, you don't need different programs. You can do the same one, especially if it's a well-balanced full body program. But when we get into like specialization and individualized coaching, like I do think there are some differences. Okay. Last fitness related question. I'm curious, not probably not like your CrossFit clients, but more of your general woman clients. Um, is there like something that you see most com like a mistake that they're most commonly making when it comes to like their training program? Yeah. Um, number one is like what we talked about too much cardio like mm -hmm. that. We see that all the time, obviously. Um, but the biggest one I see because a lot of people who come to me, um, and I even see guys do this too. Like I would say like my business is like 60, 40, maybe 70, 30. Like I do train more women than men, uh, but not by that much. But some guys do this too. Um, just don't lift heavy enough. Like women are just afraid. It goes back to that bulky thing. They just don't, mm -hmm. you know, they're like, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated. I'm not progressing. And I'm like, okay, what are you doing a row with? Like a one arm row. And they're like, oh, 15 pounds. And I'm like, okay, well, next time you go in the gym, I want you to grab the heaviest fucking dumbbell you can possibly row. And then they text, they text me. They're like, oh, I did eight reps with a 45 pound dumbbell. I'm so like shocked. And I'm like, <laughs> you were probably going too light. And, and sometimes like yeah. that's a big jump, right? but I've seen that exact thing. And then I have women that are like, okay, like I'm going to start doing this. And they start pushing their volume. Um, and people forget to like, if we look at the anatomy of a female body, like you're not going to be able to bench press much rate. Right? But what you can do is you can pull quite a bit more than you can press. Mm -hmm. So some women will think, okay, I can dumbbell press 15 pounds, so I should probably row 15 pounds. Well, the reality is, is men have bigger chests and shoulders, so we can press more than women. But proportionately, women have just as big of a back musculature as men would relative to their body size. You can row a lot more weight. You can deadlift a lot more weight than you probably think. Um, even like hip thrust. The glutes are a very powerful muscle. You can hip thrust probably more than you think. So I think women just don't go heavy enough because they assume that's going to lead to the bulkiness. Mm -hmm. When in reality, like if we even look at caloric burn, lifting heavier burns more calories. You're probably going to lose weight more. Mm -hmm. All right. So guys, pick up a heavier weight, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's that's – thank you. Thank you for saying that. Okay. I'm running out of time, but I want to touch on nutrition for just a second. Um, and I kind of want to understand your take on the current macro battle that is going on in the nutrition space. I'm sure you're privy to. Um, mm -hmm. You know, keto has become very popular and everyone's trying to be keto. Um, what's your opinion on like macros? I'm a big fan, actually. So a lot of my clients use macros. I don't think I'm as strict or rigid about how I approach macros. Um, mm -hmm. To me, everything needs to be in ranges, not exact grams. Because, I mean, we can't even, like, if you enter a chicken breast into my fitness pile, like a four-ounce chicken breast is 26 grams of protein. There's no way in hell you can tell me it's exactly 26 grams of protein. Yeah. You have no idea what that chicken's life was like, how much muscle it had, what it ate. So um, I understand that everything is just estimates and ranges, and I let my clients know that too. So it's never about being exactly on point. Now, what I will say is I've gotten to a point in my career now where a lot of people approach me because they want to specifically get better at performance or they want – I have a very specific body composition goal. Mm -hmm. Because of that, macros are the biggest influencer in changing your body composition, especially when you're already pretty lean. Like if you're – if you're like have like five, 10 pounds to lose and you've never tracked macros, like that can get you that last little bit. Um, also because I have a coach that works for me that's very good with the non-macro side of things. So a lot of those clients who want to stay away from macros go with her. Um, but I think, I think it's all about how you approach things. My whole thing is application and adherence. So 
if we have our first consultation and I know for a fact macros are going to stress you out, that's the last thing I'm going to talk about or bring up. Like we're going to figure out a way to make sure that you are getting the result. Probably in my mind, I know about where your macros and calories are at because we know that's how you can shift your body fat levels. But by no means am I going to make you meticulously track everything. Um, so I kind of go back and forth. I'm like 50-50. It all just depends on the client. I have a lot of clients that approach me that it works great for. Um, but again, it's never like a very rigid or strict thing. Um, it's never one size fits all, right? Like there's no ratio I give people that works for everybody, right? Everybody has an individual plan. Everybody has an individual way of following that plan. Um, and I think it's the big thing is just just adherence. And I mean, in in same thing with keto. That's I'm not a big fan of keto. Not because keto doesn't work. Not because you can't be healthy on keto. But most of my clients train really hard in the gym. It doesn't support their performance. And and most of my clients, 99% of them, like to enjoy some carbs and they like to enjoy beer. They like to like live their lives every now and then. And it becomes hard when you're doing such a strict and specific diet. Um, so I personally don't go that route, especially because I just don't find clients can adhere to it. Um, there's nothing wrong with keto. If you can adhere to it, it's great. But um, I think it all comes back to that. So I'm a fan of macros. I don't know if that's the yeah, answer to Yeah, no, uh-huh. I just like to hear your thoughts. I'm curious, is there like a macro range that you yourself find works best for your body? I, I function better on carbs. And I mm-hmm. think it's because I have a very um, – stressful lifestyle from a both a my business is nonstop. I'm I'm going at all times of the day. I have a brand new newborn and I have a gym in my garage that I train in every single day. Because of that, I'm I'm doing a lot of volume in my training. My cortisol levels are up because my adrenaline's up, my stress is up. Carbs kind of help me mitigate that, help me blunt that response. Um and I just enjoy carbs, you know what I mean? But I have to balance that out. You can't be high carb, high fat. It's just gonna lead to getting fat. <laughs> so for me personally, that's what works better. I have a lot of clients that thrive on a low carb diet, but they're also eating more than enough fats to support their hormonal needs. Um, so I think it's just, it really comes down to playing that balancing act. But yeah, for me personally, I do just thrive. I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. I thrive a little bit better on a carb, high carb diet. Um, and, and it's, and in this, like, it's hard to do that with all paleo foods. Um, but I will say like majority of my carbs do come from paleo sources. Like I can throw down on sweet potatoes. Like I just love them, but, um, and I don't eat bread. I don't eat a lot of grains or anything. I all eat white rice and that's, that's about the only grain I ever have. Um, but yeah, I'm a more of a high carb guy. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. I think it's interesting. I think it's good for people to hear what works for different people because I know a lot of people listening to this podcast are very in the nutrition space and like Right now, it's just this overload of keto harder, um, and I'm really over it. I'm just really over it. Like, <laughs> I think keto has its place. Like, I've used it and loved it, but also I'm like, lots of people work really well on a higher-carb diet, and, like, that's cool. Um, so I'm kind yeah, of glad that I was think, your answer. <laughs> I, well, I think, too, like, there's – I always talk about nutritional periodization. Mm-hmm. There's times of year, like, if I've been going super hard on my business, super hard on my uh, my training, super high carb, it might be smart for me to take a month where I deload from everything I bring training down and I actually go keto because – Carbs, the process of absorbing and digesting carbs is actually age promoting. Mm -hmm. So a keto diet might make you live longer. Technically, a lower carb diet might make you live longer. uh, But to support my stress needs for what I enjoy in my life, I actually do need carbs. So I think it's important for people to realize like by no mean am I on like this pedestal of carbs saying that's health. It's 
for me to perform the way I want to perform, that's just what my body needs. Um, if I bring performance down, if I bring my stresses down, it might be advantageous for me to go high fat, low carb for a while, improve some health markers, improve some insulin sensitivity, and then actually come back to carbs. So I think it's, it's about planning out your year and what you're doing um, and what your lifestyle's like. Because um, I have clients who don't really train. They walk. They're not okay. going to be on a high-carb diet. They don't need that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very, very individual. Yeah, and it also comes down to, like, being in tune with yourself, which is – I mean, that's part of why I love, like, all the stuff you put out because you're very into, like, cycling everything in your lifestyle, like, you know, nutrition and fitness and just everything, which is important. Like, people need to get out of this idea, like, if it's working for you today, it's going to work for you, to like, next week, next month. Um, but also, like – just building this self-awareness because you wouldn't know how to adjust things if you're not even aware of like what's going on with your own body and people are so out of touch. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I always say awareness precedes change. Like you're never going to change anything in your life if you're not aware of what you're doing now. Yeah, I totally agree. So what is your top tip for helping people become more aware? Ooh, um, I mean, (laughs) Or how do you become aware? What what helped you become more aware of what was going on with your body? I want to say hire a coach, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that every area of my life because sometimes you need somebody to call you out because a lot of times it's – the problem with becoming self-aware is that if it's an area that you're not comfortable with, it's scary to face that awareness in the in, right in the face, right? Yeah. So like – for me, it took me ignoring it for so long and then hiring a coach and then him being like, dude, how do you not see this? And then me opening my eyes and being like, holy shit. So first and foremost, I would say hire a coach. But going off of that, like just reflecting, like reflect on everything. I always tell um, – I did a – so I have like a membership site and I did like a live video in it the other day. And I said like the topic of the video was auditing yourself. Like we talk about auditing your environment, your inner circle. And it's like what about you? Like what bad habits do you have? What are you not so happy about? Like, do you have any hobbies? Like a lot of people can't answer that question. And it's usually like, no, I actually don't have any fucking hobbies anymore. That's probably not a good thing. Like, and I've been in that position where I was just like, man, I don't do anything for myself. Mm-hmm. So I think auditing yourself, reflecting on where you're at, reflecting on what you do, um, bust out a journal and write this shit out. Nothing happens better than like when you just write everything out, just free journal, just write everything on paper and just see where you're at in your life. Um, in the four pillars, I always say like your body, your mind, your relationships and your business. Um, and you're going to open your eyes to a lot of things that you could probably, um, change for the better. Yeah. Preach. Love it. Last thing, because you've shared this with me before, but I want it on the podcast. And this is my favorite question to ask people is what is your morning routine? Yeah. So, um, I'm big, I'm a stickler on morning routines. Um, and, and for me, it changes every like three to four months. Um, because I'm just a creature of change. I love variety after a while it gets stale and I don't feel the same benefits from it. So I'll change things up randomly. Um, but I kind of have like a system around it. So, um, first and foremost, um, I have to say coffee. Like I always run to the coffee machine. I'm a coffee snob in Seattle. So (laughs) I'm always like right on the coffee. Um, while my coffee's brewing, the first thing I do is journal. I think that's the most powerful part of my, uh, morning routine. And I go through different phases where it'll be strictly gratitude. Sometimes it's, uh, I, I lately I've been rewriting my goals every single day. Um, like what my main targets are right now. And then I'll do like a quick half page on gratitude and appreciation. Um, I've done it to where every day I do something called positive focus, where you pick a situation, 
that was negative and you find what is positive about it and then you find a lesson behind it so you can learn from these situations. But regardless, you're journaling every single day. Um, after that, it's usually some form of meditation, whether that's going on a walk or it's laying down and meditating and breathing for five to 10 minutes, but some kind of meditation. Um, I always do some kind of movement. That's a big part of it. So whether it's mobility, stretching, um, I have a rower at my house, so maybe I'll jump on the rower, I'll go on a walk, but I just want to move my body. Um, then green drink and there's nothing special about a green string supplement. To me, it's placebo. Like I eat plenty of whole foods, but to me, yeah. it's like when I drink a liter of water with greens, like there's something about it that like makes me feel like I'm starting my day healthy. And I think that contributes to more positive habits. Um, and then, uh, and then the last thing I do is uh, I study. So for me, it's, it's reading something. So it could be on fitness or nutrition, could be on business, could be on the mindset, but I'm trying to study and just get better in general improve my knowledge, expand my brain. Um, and my big rule with all of this is everything gets done in the morning before I check any notification. So I can't check text, Instagram, email, anything. My alarm goes off on my phone. Um, it's already on do not disturb. And then I just put it away until all this stuff is done. Cause I think that's really, really important. Yeah, that's key. I should really do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Such a game changer because as soon as you check an email, as soon as you check a notification, that's where your mind goes. So when I'm doing my meditation or I'm doing my walk, all I'm thinking about is like, fuck, that client's waiting on me. I got to answer this email. Um, I wonder what my revenue is. Like I'm just constantly going everywhere when I can't be present with what I'm trying to do. So for me, that's that's the biggest thing. Yeah. So what time do you get up? And then how long does that all take you? I'm an early riser. So I get up at 5 to 5.30 a.m. It just depends on the morning. But I have that like sleep cycle thing. So it wakes me up between that time, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't really work anymore because we have a baby in the room. So the sleep cycle is like, you're up, you're out, you're up. It's like, doesn't work. But um, so I get up between 5, 5.30. And I'm usually done with all of that by like 6.30, 7 at the latest. So hour, hour and a half. Um, and, I, and I can do it faster. I take my time though. Yeah. I, I, if I feel like reading for 30 minutes, I'm going to read for 30. If I feel like reading for 10, I'll read for 10. Like I kind of just go with how I feel that day. Um, and it usually gets done in about an hour. Yeah. All right. I love it. I think everybody needs a good morning routine. And I, agree. I really need to stop checking notifications. I've been good about, I don't check email anymore, but I check my texts, which I really shouldn't. Because yeah. same, same issue. So I mm-hmm. should copy you in that aspect. But, okay, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Can you please tell everyone where they can find everything from you? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for having me on the show. This is a blast. Um, so everything is on boomboomperformance.com. Um, we have the Boom Boom Performance podcast. Um, I am on YouTube. I'm all my videos go on Facebook and IGTV, and I feel like I get way more views there, but we do put them all on YouTube too. Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram, I am Cody.BoomBoom, and that's where I put most of my content out. Um, but overall, if you type in Boom Boom Performance, I'm, I'm sure I'll pop up. I don't think there's anybody else yeah. with the Cody Boom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> you shouldn't like – I don't even know your last name. What is your last name? <laughs> I took it off of everything. Yeah. My last name is McBroom. My last name is McBroom. That's why oh, um, that's how I came out. So okay. in high school, they called my brother Vinny Boom Boom, and uh-huh. then I made the varsity team, and then it was the Boom Boom Brothers. And I have no idea how it stuck, but that's 10 years so later, funny. it's still here. I know. I'm like, you should just like legally change your last name to Boom Boom. <laughs> <laughs> like at this point. Um, okay. Yeah. So everyone can go follow you. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Huge thank you to Cody for coming on the show. I hope you guys 
learned something. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm sure you did. Make sure you let him know what you think about this episode. Connect with him. He's an awesome guy. You can find more from him at boomboomperformance.com. He's on Instagram at cody.boomboom. Check out his podcast, the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. I've been on that episode. And let him know if you like this. Tell him I sent you. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a rating interview on iTunes. It seriously means the world to me when you do that and helps show your support. And I also really appreciate it when you share episodes on social media to help get the word out about the show. It's a totally free way for you to show your support for what I do so I can keep putting out multiple episodes a week. And if you're not already in our Facebook group, I would love to have you in there. Wellness Wellness Podcast Trap on Facebook. Let's become friends. All right, that's going to be it for this episode. I hope you have an awesome day and I'll talk to you again next time.